Hello there and welcome back to Insight Peterborough. We took a week's break there so that Trent Radio could flip from uh, spring into summer season, but we're all set to go again. I'm Devin Wilkins. Insight Peterborough is a project of the Peterborough chapter of the Canadian Council of the Blind, otherwise known as the CCB. And if you'd like more information about the CCB chapter here in uh, town, all you have to do is send an email to ccbpeterborough at gmail.com. That's ccbpeterborough at gmail.com. Well, we have a couple of fundraisers to start off today's show. Then we're going to talk about a miracle. So, um, the uh, first organization that's planning a fundraiser is uh, Peterborough Council for Persons with Disabilities, and they are doing a Taking a Gander raffle. And I chatted with Andrea Dodsworth, who is the chair of the board for uh, PCPD, and here's what she had to say. Hi, Andrea, and welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. So before we get talking about the uh, taking a gander draw, let's talk uh, first a little bit about the Peterborough Council for people with disabilities, for those who don't know a whole lot about that. How long has it been around? It's been around for um, close to 31 years. Wow. So it's a main fixture in town. Yes. And uh, what are some of the services that it offers? We have a time and measures program that goes into schools and um, local businesses and does a hands-on program with Um, 
program called Active Together. Are you able to do any of that now during the COVID uh, pandemic? We were able to do a bit, but not a whole lot. We, we haven't been able to do much with Active Together because of the pandemic at the moment. That's great. And uh, you folks have been working. Uh, and they've also had a, um, a cooking program, too, that has oh, been going on. Um, but since the pandemic, it's been put on hold. And they had a coffee time um, program as well. Yeah. To uh, connect with people. All right, that sounds terrific. And I'm sure those will pick up uh, as soon as the pandemic is over. Yes, hopefully it's um, better soon. I'm not sure if it will be ending anytime soon, but hopefully the numbers will go in the good direction instead of the bad. I know, yeah. So I understand, too, that you've been working uh, with the uh, Peterborough Transit to kind of uh, iron out some of the uh, kinks uh, since the system was uh, totally changed uh, a few months back. The only thing I know about the Peterborough Transit part at this point um, because I can't be involved in it because my work, my work um, aspect. But um, the only thing I know about the transit portion at this point is that um, as a community group, CPD has been giving advice to transit on how to uh, make things better and how to improve the service as well. I, I know that the um, new um, bus service um, that's coming in from the county will be starting soon too as well. And it goes from Curve Lake to, to from Peterborough to Curve Lake, Bridge North and Ennismore. Wow. And back in. Do you have any idea when the starting date for that might be? I don't. It, it will be soon though. Okay, we'll have to keep on that story. 
I don't know much because of what I what I do in my my work now. Yes. For MPP Smith, but um, I, I I just gave you what I know at this point. Okay. So. So now, can you tell us a little bit about the uh, taking your gander? Raffle that uh, that you folks are are doing. The taking again raffle is um, going very well. Um, part of the proceeds from the raffle will come back to CPD. Um, you you can win a trip to Newfoundland. Wow. Um, I'm curious to know why you called it taking a, a gander. Does that have something to do with the uh, connection to Newfoundland? That uh, it, it does because um, the tickets the. The first place is, um, it is connected to Gander because it's, uh, related to the show, Come From Away. Ah, right. I'd love to see that show one of these days. I have seen that show, and it's a great show, and I, if I could see it again, I would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I understand that there are going to be uh, other prizes as well as the the trip to Newfoundland? Yes. If you don't want the trip for two, uh, to Newfoundland, which includes your flight, hotel, and breakfast, uh, for, for $20 a ticket, you you can have thirty five hundred in cash or a second prize of five hundred dollars. Wow, that's great. And all proceeds go to C P D. All right. And J A. Oh oh junior achievement? Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, that should be a really good fundraiser. And uh, when uh, is the draw going to take place? The winner will be chosen at random at 7 p.m. on May 27th, uh, 2021. You were talking a little bit earlier about the... um, Website is that where people go to get the tickets? Yes, there's a link on the C- on the CPD website that um, people can click on and uh, put their email address and name and first in, first name and last name. And then they can click where it says buy your tickets here. 
And uh, so that website again is All right, that's fairly easy to remember. Well, thanks very much for chatting with me about this, and uh, there's still time for people to um, get their tickets. And, uh, yeah, because the draw is until the 27th of May at 7 p.m., and, uh, and the ticket will be drawn at random. All right, and then you'll let the person know. Yes, we will. Yeah, and the and the second uh, r- uh, the runner up as well. It won't be me personally, but it will be someone from um, CP CPD and JA, I believe. All right, terrific. Thanks a lot, Andrea. I really appreciate this. You're welcome, Devin. Andrea wanted me to tell you as well that if anyone would like to join PCPD or become a volunteer, all you have to do is go to the PCPD website, so www.pcpd.ca, or call 87 87- Four, or let me, let me yet give you the 705 along with it. So call 705-874-8661. That's 705-874-8661. The other organization that's doing a fundraiser currently is the Canadian Mental Health Association. And I had the chance to talk about the Ride, Don't Hide fundraiser with health promoter Kelly Curtis. Well, hi, Kelly, and welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for having me back, Deborah. We'll talk in a, a couple of minutes about the Ride, Don't Hide uh, fundraiser that's... Uh, that's in progress at the moment, or is soon to be. We'll find that out in a, in a minute. But um, I know I've heard mental health officials everywhere talk about being very busy now uh, and since the beginning of the pandemic. Do you find that you are as well in the uh, this particular branch? that you're doing the mental health first aid in uh, workplaces? Yeah, that's something that we can offer to everybody. We actually have a public course coming up uh, soon that people can find the dates if they just you know go on the CMHA website. But um, mostly it is private groups that we're doing, workplace groups um, and community groups as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
are your are your counselors that uh, would do the individual uh, work uh, finding themselves quite busy? They are, yes. Um, other other departments and other groups within CMHA for sure, they're really busy as well. Uh, a lot of what they've been doing does need to be in person with their clients. Some of the as much as they're able to, they're doing virtual visits, but just the nature of what they do, uh, there is a lot of in person kind of visitation happening as well. Yes. Um, is it uh, depression or anxiety or what seems to be the uh, fallout of this uh, pandemic and especially the lockdowns that we've been experiencing? I think a little bit of everything for sure. Um, I mean, I'm not looking at any stats or anything like that right in front of me right at the moment, but I get a lot of requests for, you know, delivering questions on, you know, just talking about what is mental health and, you know, having those conversations about mental health issues and mental illness. A lot of it stress management, um, a lot of it dealing with isolation, living in isolation, those different types of sessions as well. Yes. So basically what my role is is uh, people will reach out to me and just, you know, say what it is that they need and I'll develop something and kind of come out and speak to them about whatever it is that they actually need at that moment. Yeah. Oh, well, that's good. So isolation, uh, do you find that uh, encouraging people to get outside and do as much outside as they can is helpful? Absolutely. One of the best ways to manage any type of stress uh, is to, you know, get out into the fresh air, get some exercise, go for a walk, you know, wave somebody across the street. I know we need to stay physically distanced, but that doesn't mean that we need to be socially isolated, right? So trying to find that balance in a healthy way is really important. And I suppose, I suppose that um, social media contacts and uh, Zoom and uh, that sort of thing uh, are helpful as well, are they? Absolutely. Anything that helps you to make that connection to another person, right? We're, you know, as humans, we're very social beings. So being able to connect with other people is really, really important, and especially right now. So being able to either pick up the phone and call somebody or doing some sort of a FaceTime or a Zoom session, you know, or whatever virtual uh, platform you're going to use, is really helpful. I know that the phone has really been my friend. I'm not much, uh, I, I want to be uh, technical and, uh, you know, uh, up as far as social media uh, things go, but... Uh, uh, my brain hasn't quite caught up with the uh, 21st century, so the phone has certainly been uh, wonderful uh, in helping with uh, personal situations, and and also I'm kind of retired, but I'm kind of not retired, so any work situations that uh, happen to come up too. So the, uh, Alexander Graham Bell must have known what he was doing. Absolutely, I think that's definitely a, a good point. Um, I'm not a really great. Uh, I'm not really great with social media either, to be honest. You know, I can do the basics. I can do Facebook and you know, kind of some of that stuff. But it's been a learning curve for me in the last year as well, learning how to you know, do Zoom and you know, be virtual and connections and all these different types of platforms that we have available to us. Yeah, definitely a learning curve. Right. Uh, a lot of organizations have been offering a lot of uh, virtual 
workshops and get-togethers, and I suppose they're helpful, too, in breaking the feeling of isolation. Absolutely. Um, I actually just did a presentation for a group yesterday on Zoom and how we can use it to be more interactive and how we can use it to be more engaged with people that we are talking to. You know, there's a lot of different features that we can use and we can utilize to help with that connection. Yes. I find that um, people are often more able to attend virtual workshops and that sort of thing, uh, whereas uh, money or the lack of money was a hindrance before the pandemic. Uh, I've, I can think of two cases where we've had more people in attendance virtually than we ever did uh, physically. Absolutely. I think that, you know, we've, we've had to learn how to use the virtual platform. And we've had to kind of, like, get used to them very, very quickly and in a hurry. But I think even when we get back to doing in-person training, I think that there's still going to be a need for the virtual because there's, there are a lot of people that we are able to reach that, you know, being, having to be in person would be a barrier. So we're overcoming barriers by using a virtual platform. Yes. a lot of people. Mind you, having said that, I know that there's some people that aren't comfortable with the virtual, so we're, you know, that's a barrier for them. But I think in the end we're going to be using both. I think we'll do in-person training, and I think we'll continue with the, I think we'll have a need to continue with the virtual as well. Yes, I think so, which which will be good. Yes. So now, been, sorry. If I look at the numbers of people that I actually am able to, reach in some of the sessions or workshops that I'm doing, you know, some of them are from not in this area. I've had people from different provinces joining in on certain sessions. Those are some barriers that, you know, if we were doing it in person, we wouldn't have those people. So in some ways, I can definitely reach more people. I can target a greater number of people with some of the information we're putting out there. Yes. Um, a friend and I here in uh, Peterborough are uh, peer support volunteers with uh, the CNIB, and uh, rather than just confining it to Peterborough, um, we now cover Eastern Ontario, uh, which um, makes the uh, the chats more available to to other people. That's wonderful. Yeah, but the. Ride Don't Hide fundraiser will certainly uh, get people out if uh, being outside is something that they want to do. Can you uh, explain how the fundraiser works? Absolutely. So Ride Don't Hide 2021 is uh, it's, it's a virtual event. It's happening from now until the end of June. Uh, so CMHA, KCR is inviting individuals to really just take care of themselves and just their communities all through June. So this will be our fifth annual Ride Don't Hide. It's presented by Tom Peeding and Cooling and with the support from Chorus Entertainment, The Wolf, Fresh Radio, Global Peterborough, as well as AON. Um, it's you know, it's going to look a little bit different this year, no doubt, like many things, because being a virtual event, this is going to be you know your ride, your way kind of idea. We're encouraging individuals to get outside and ride or do whatever activity supports your mental health whether it's walking or running or yoga uh, or even swimming, whatever it is that you want to do. We do recognize that COVID-19 has impacted our community um, and that those with mental health concerns are particularly vulnerable. So 
the 2021 ride, Don't Hide, event will be used to fund mental health crisis programming. Um, so CMHA HKPR is offering a variety of different supports for individuals in crisis, both in Peterborough, Quartha Lake, Northumberland, um, and even in Halliburton. So one example of that crisis support is our Gore County Crisis Line, which is something that provides free confidential support 24-7 to anybody who is experiencing a mental health crisis or even something who just simply needs to talk to somebody. Um, but by directing the Ride Don't Hide funding towards crisis programming, we're actually supporting some of our community's most vulnerable individuals and really helping them on that path to recovery. So if anyone is interested in registering for the Ride Don't Hide 2021, um, you can register for free at ridedonthide.com slash CMHAHKPR. Um, you can find your pledge sheets. You can register individually. You can register as a group. You can donate. Um, it's actually a really simple and easy process. Even I was able to register myself into a uh, into the ridedonthide.com and um, set up it on and set it up on my Facebook page so people can donate that way. But it's really nice and simple. Um, and there's still actually so much HPCR still accepting new sponsors for the event. So if you're a business or if you're interested in sponsoring this year's Ride Don't Hide event, you can certainly reach out to uh, Jeff Beach at uh, J-B-E-I-T-C-H at C-M-H-A-H-K-P-R.ca. Um, yeah, so that is basically what we're going to be running this year for one of our major uh, fundraisers. All right, that's terrific. Uh, now, do you find that um, there are people wanting to ride outside in groups, or are you kind of discouraging that unless there's uh, some, there are some regulations with regard to physical distancing. Yeah, so typically what you would have seen is, you know, in, in other years, you would have seen everybody coming out on one day and doing a big ride together. It would have been a really great day. Uh, obviously, things are different now, so it, that's why we are running it virtually. So when people register on that website, they'll see that they're able to actually track their, their miles or their minutes that they've spent doing whatever form of exercise, whether it be the, the riding or the running or swimming, whatever it is that they've chosen to do. Um, so you, what you'll see is people will actually be able to go out and go for, you know, a 20-minute bike ride all by themselves today, and they can track that towards their uh, fundraising goal. Okay. So individually, you'll absolutely be fine. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, or you could do it uh, inside if you felt the need to do that on an exercise bike, right? Oh, for sure, on your exercise bike. I have a treadmill. I could actually spend, you know, 20 minutes on my treadmill, and I could count that towards my minutes as well. Is there a... a it is called Ride Don't Hide 2021, but you know what? You can feel more comfortable walking or running or, you know, swimming. Do whatever it is that you do that makes you feel good. And is there a particular goal as far as minutes or kilometers that you're hoping people will ride or, or, or walk or whatever? Whatever works for individuals, you know, like whatever money we can raise for this will be, will be great. It will be all be used for that crisis, um, uh, crisis support. So it will be whatever you can actually ride will be fantastic. Okay, wonderful. And uh, so it's uh, from... Uh, did you say April 20th? No, nope, starting now. You can you can start right away. Okay. Until? Until the end of June. 
the end of June. Okay. All right. That sounds good. Are, are you? Uh, do you have a particular goal, a fundraising goal in mind? I'm not sure this is an actual goal. Probably just the more the better. Um, you know, last year, I mean, it's always great to exceed uh, what you've done previously, right? So yeah. this is actually going to be our fifth year for this. We had to cancel the 2020 ride due to the pandemic. But in the 2019 ride, we had 103 riders. Uh, they raised $24,140. Wow. Um, and all of that money went to a new CMHA support group that was supporting families of people that have died by suicide. So all of this money is actually going to some really great causes. Um, if we look at the overall total of what's been raised in the previous tour rides, it's approximately $80,000. All right. We've got support from some of our programming. So it's, it's really important. So whatever it is that we raise this year, whether it's, you know, it might be less because of the pandemic, it's really what people can afford to do. Uh, whatever we get will actually be used for great causes, and it will be fantastic. I very yeah. much appreciate it. Do you know an approximate figure as to how, how much uh, that crisis line uh, costs to keep uh, going? That's a great question. No, I actually don't know. Yeah, I thought I might be kind of uh, asking something that you weren't, uh, you wouldn't <laughs> have right in front of you there. <laughs> well, that's not something that I've ever, uh, because my role is more education. You know, I promote the crisis line, uh, but yeah. I don't actually work in that department or in that group. Right. Okay. Uh, that's something that I've seen. No. But there would be uh, a payment for staff and the upkeep of uh, whatever technology they have there. So it certainly would cost something and would, in, would be in, in need of uh, ongoing funding. So give me the <clears throat> the website uh, again where people can check this out. So if people want to uh, get more information or if they want to register for this, they can go to ridesdonthide.com slash cmhahkcr.ca and they'll be able to find their pledge sheets. They'll be able to register. Uh, once you go on there, what you're going to find on that website is you, know, you might find different locations. So if you find something that says Peterborough, that actually is supporting all four counties. All right. That's great. Um, that's a lot of uh, letters after the slash. So CM CMHA, HKP, R. R. Okay. Yeah. So it basically stands for Canadian Mental Health Association, Halliburton, Kawartha, Pine Ridge which is the name of our local branch. Oh, yes. Okay, Pine Ridge. I don't know why I seem to have a, a difficulty remembering Pine Ridge, and I, and I shouldn't. But uh, anyway, I thought it was kind of important to go over that again so that people uh, had the chance to write it down if necessary. Absolutely. If they even just go to the ride don't Okay, that's a good way to really simplify it. Yes, yeah, get you steered in the right direction. Uh, is there anything, um, any other aspect of this that we haven't talked about? Kevin, I think you 
All right. Well, all the best of luck uh, with the fundraiser and uh, and all the uh, projects that you folks have underway. Uh, I know that uh, people are needing them more and more, especially during this pandemic period. So uh, good going there. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on this afternoon, Devin. It isn't very often that I talk on this show about the other projects that I'm involved with, but this time I think it will fit in. No problem. I do a monthly show on a station, an internet radio station in London, England, called The Global Voice. And the show is called Spotlight on Assistance Dogs. The April 2021 edition dealt with a miracle that unfolded right here in Peterborough. And so I thought what I would do is play the show in its entirety so that... uh, you could uh, hear uh, all about this, what I'm calling COVID, canine COVID miracle. So you'll hear me first. Uh, The theme I use is me calling my guide dog. So my guide dog is Frankie, and then the show will carry on. Frankie, come, come on. Frankie, come. Good boy. Good boy. Sit. Good boy. Down. Down. Good boy. And stay. Stay. Good boy. How about you? Can you sit down and stay for the next half hour? This is Spotlight on Assistance Dogs. Hello there, and welcome once again to Spotlight on Assistance Dogs. I'm Devon from Canada. We won't observe International Guide Dog Day until the fourth Wednesday of April, which is April 28th. But I want to share with you a story which I'm calling a COVID miracle that couldn't have unfolded had it not been for a generous amount of international cooperation. Long before guide dog training centers were opened in Canada in the early 1980s, blind Canadians crossed the border to train at American schools and have become very comfortable with training staff and training methods there. Since the closure of the border between the two countries in March of 2020, the number of Canadians waiting for successor dogs has been climbing steadily. Then, in February and March of this year, CNIB guide dogs and leader dogs for the blind began negotiating Now, Lynn Morris of Peterborough, Ontario, is partnered with a black 
lab golden retriever mix named Leo. CNIB guide dog president Diane Bergeron fills us in on some of the details for us. How did this get started? Did Leader get it going, or did uh, you kind of uh, make a suggestion to Leader? Um, so this started when we started kind of looking at the border closures and um, seeing the effects of what it was doing, A, to our intake process, to our application demands, because it just exploded. Um, but also in just having conversations with people who, you know, were close to getting a dog from the States and, of course, couldn't get over because of border closures, um, I contacted leader dogs. I contacted several schools in the States, as a matter of fact, and said, hey, I'm, we're desperate for dogs here because, you know, I mean, we, you have a puppy today that's eight weeks old. That's not going to help anybody with sight loss for another year and a half to two right. years. So... You know, we needed dogs now, not down the road. So I called several schools and asked if they had any dogs that, you know, they would that they would have trained, but maybe they couldn't get trained because of their own COVID issues. And um, we did hear from leader dogs did say that they had a couple of dogs. So they sent us seven. We received seven adult dogs from leader dogs. Wow. Um, that we have been working with in, in training to, for our program. They were just given to us from Leader Dogs as a, as a, as a gesture. We also, um, in some of those conversations, we uh, offered to Leader Dogs if they had anybody here in Canada that needed some Africa support. There was a couple of people that did, so we, we went and helped out a couple of their, uh, a couple of their clients just with a little bit of aftercare support. But in those conversations, um, you know, we said to leader dogs and to other schools, look, if you've got, if you've got clients um, and you've got a dog that you can match to those clients that you can't get across the border, we'd be happy to offer up our trainers. Because for me, this isn't about, this isn't about our clients or the people that are coming to participate in our program. This is about getting the right dogs in the right person's hands as quickly as possible. And whether there are clients or somebody else's, if we can make that happen, then, then that would be great. So we did talk to a, a few different schools and, and made that offer. Some schools felt that our training methods and their training methods were just that little bit too far apart to make it happen. But Leader Dogs and Guide Dogs Foundation have both um, stepped up and said, you know, we've got some clients. So... Um, so that's so that's one of the things. The other thing was is that Lynn um, had been in contact uh, with uh, leader dogs, trying to get dogs, and knew that um, uh, that uh, they had a dog, you know, ready for her. Mm-hmm. They just couldn't get together. So the question came to me. Um, as well from the other side, from the client side, saying, hey, you know, would this be possible? And I said, well, we're happy to do it if Leader Dogs is, is prepared to do it. And so we kind of, we hit it at two different angles. It was the initiative of um, the handler themselves looking, you know, contacting the school and the school knowing that we had made the offer. And between those two things, we, this great partnership and collaboration has happened. And 
I have to say, um, this is all new to everybody, right? COVID has forced every industry around the world to start thinking outside the box and being as creative as possible. Mm -hmm. um, we were all ready to go to get uh, the dog from Leader Dogs and have it transported when um, Public Health uh, Agency of Canada, when PHAC changed the rules at the border, which stopped us from being able to cross the border to pick up the dog, um, which delayed the process, unfortunately, a few more weeks because we then had to go to the government and work with the border um, agency to try and come up with an alternative um, to getting the dog across the border. And so that added some extra people, some extra money, some extra collaborations and, and um, coordination, but, you know, uh, well, you know what it's like, Devin, nothing is impossible if you just put your mind to it and you're determined enough to make it happen. That's true. Um, and that was something that we were very determined to do. So, um, yeah, we managed to we managed to make it work. We got the dog, and seems like everything is uh, working out very positively. Yes. Um, do I understand that he had to come in uh, through Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan? Um, no, I think Leo came in through Sarnia. Okay. Um, there was other dogs that came through Sault Ste. Marie. Those were puppies that we got. But basically what's happening is because of the rule that if you go across the border, you have to quarantine unless you're... So, you, so we are considered um, an essential service because of Sky Dogs. Mm -hmm. However, they say that as an, an essential service, the change in the border crossing was if you are an essential service, but you, you only get exempted from the quarantine rules if you are doing regular trips back and forth, and we're not. We're picking up dogs as they're available and from different borders from different places. Mm -hmm. And so that doesn't, so it, it meant that if I sent somebody to get the dog, they could cross the border to get the dog, but when they came back, they would have to go into a hotel for 14 days in quarantine. Oh, yes. Which defeats the purpose of us doing it, because their trainers could come over and do that, right? Yeah, that's for sure, yes. So mm -hmm. we, we were trying to come up with a solution. The solution to the problem was that one of the exempted areas is transport companies whose purpose it is, whose, whose function is to transport goods across the border. So to get Leo here, leader dogs had to transport the dog from their facility to the, near the border where we had a transport company meet them, transfer the dog from them to the transport company, then they crossed the border with the dog. And then they met with one of our staff and transported the tra transferred the dog again. Oh my goodness! And then that person took the dog to the handler. So it, it's a lot of coordination of of getting people meeting at the right time, and and that all has to, of course, be coordinated with the vet that they have to meet up with at the border. Um, and you have to make sure that the border is aware and all of the documentation is is ready to go and. So yeah, it was it was quite the logistical um, challenge, wow. but ultimately well worth the uh, the effort to see uh, a happy and healthy working team. Yes, that's for sure. Well, that's great. And are you thinking you might uh, 
make more of those arrangements as time goes along? We have another one that we're doing soon with Guide Dog Foundation. Uh -huh. um, they have indicated that uh, this is going to be the first time with them. Um, and if, if that works out, then they have indicated that there's other, uh, other um, Canadian clients of theirs that they might be able to um, have us work with to get matched up with dogs. Um, the only restriction that we have, of course, is we're limited into the, in the number of trainers that we have as well, right? There's only yes. so many guide dog mobility instructors on our team. Right. Um, and so we have to balance making sure that we can help out other programs but still have people training our dogs uh, in, in our program as well. So we're, we're trying to make sure we're getting as many of their clients met um, moving forward while maintaining uh, the need within our own program as well. So, you know, it's, it's not an instant, uh, we'll just, it's not just get the, getting the dog across the border. We then have to make sure we have a trainer that is ready to, you know, and can take two weeks to go and work with that person in their community. You know, there's, there's, they've got a string of dogs waiting for them as well. So trying to make sure that we can balance all of those back backup pieces as well. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, so it sure does. that we do more with later dogs. It seems to be working well. So Terrific, yes. And that sure is a whole lot of coordination. But, yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't know if this is, I mean, I, this could have been done before, um, but I'm not sure. I've, I've never heard of it being done before, but no. it seems to be something that people are willing to try. Um, so, you know, like I said, COVID has, COVID has forced uh, creativity and and trying to figure things out. We've even got um, our our breeder. I think you know our main breeder is in Australia, and we couldn't get the puppies from Australia because of transport restrictions. So we've sent a puppy raising supervisor to Australia, and she's now working with Vision Australia CNI program and having our puppies raised in Melbourne until we can get transport to bring our puppies back over so that we didn't lose the puppies from our breeding program. Yes, that would have been a, a terrible loss. Yeah, so we're, we're doing everything that we can to be creative um, and a little bit maybe, you know. Yes. <laughs> a, little bit, a little bit outside that box and different from, you know, people have said, well, that's never been done before. And I'm like, well, it doesn't mean it can't be done. It just means it hasn't been, so let's. Let's give it a shot. Right? Yeah, work from there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's terrific. And uh, I was listening to uh, the news a couple of days ago, and they were talking about uh, exemptions being made for hockey players so that the uh, NHL season can proceed from uh, the n new divisions that they've worked out into the Stanley Cup playoffs, and I thought, if they can do that, surely something uh, must be able to be worked out with the uh, government, and it sounds like you've done a wonderful job. Well, it, it would have been much easier if they would have just let us, you know, have the dogs transported right across the border without any of the hassle, but this is the only way that we could make it happen. We're, we're going... You know, we're doing doing that roundabout solution. It's kind of yeah. like, as you know, as a dog user, when you 
it, it may not be fully accessible, but you've got the, the workarounds, you know? Yes, <laughs> that's for sure. around until that border opens. Yeah. I suspect once the border opens even that there's still going to be a need to do some of this partnership because um, there's, you know, once that border opens, there's, there's going to be a lot of people that will need training still, and I think the American schools are going to be over. It's a terrible way to say it, but overburdened or overrun by Canadian applicants. Yes. Um, and they're not going to be able to catch up right away. So potentially we might be able to continue doing this into the into the uh, into the future to see if we can help out to, in the recovery. You know, the post-COVID recovery timeframe. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the meantime, we have um, we have upped our game when it comes to our program. We're accelerating the number of puppies we're bringing in, which, again, doesn't help us right now, but we're hoping that we can um, significantly increase the number of dogs that we can put out into uh, people's hands next year. Yeah. And uh, hopefully those individuals that may have a much longer waiting period um, in the States, maybe we can get some of their, um, get them a dog sooner. Um, and, and I don't know, I don't know how some people feel, uh, Devin, one of the questions we kind of talked about in, in our program development was, yeah, we can extend our, you know, we can extend our programs quickly, quickly, but what happens when the border opens? Will all those people that were going to come to us suddenly go back to the States again? And I said, well, that's possible, but as, as a guide dog handler myself, my brain goes to if they can close the border once, it can close again. Well, that's true. Um, and I would be looking to find um, a program within within Canada that would be able to get me my dogs just to, to save that concern moving forward. But and that's just me. Other people may have other thoughts, and they have, of course, loyalty to schools that they've used in the States before. Yeah. But... Um, Anyways, we're going to try. We're up in our game. We're going to try to to make sure that there's as many people as possible um, getting good quality dogs and doing what we can. That's great. Now, uh, Leo, um, when he's finished his training, so then will he be considered uh, a CNIB guide dog or a leader dog? No, he's a leader dog. He's he's there. He's there. Dog. their team, we're here if they need us to do aftercare support, okay. but uh, he is completely their, their client. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, kudos to you and, and uh, to um, also the transport company that assisted in getting Leo across the border, and uh, um, I'm going to make sure that as many people know about this as possible so that uh, the transfer of, of guide dogs is, uh, you know, becomes easier and easier, hopefully. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, it's not going to work with every um, every school and every dog and every client. So there's going to be, I'm sure, some, you know, this, this is because it's never been done. We're going to find some... Uh, you know, there's going to be a few bumps in the road as to how it's going to work and making sure that we can do what we can. But, you know, I go back to the original sort of thought of this is it doesn't matter whose who's client it is. It's what 
what matters to me and to the program is it's one more independent blind person, um, you know, or one person, one more blind or person, better person gets their independence and freedom back. That's what matters. Where the dog comes from, who the relationship belongs to is irrelevant. It's just, it's one more Canadian with independence. And that's the key piece, I think, for us is we, we need to do what we can to make that happen. Well, that's terrific. Uh, and um, that's that's great. And, uh, thank you for doing that. Um, I'm sure there there will be a number of Canadians who who benefit, and uh, uh, they will definitely appreciate that. Well, thank you very much, Devin. I appreciate it. It's it's uh, COVID's been a challenge, but boy, has it ever stretched our, our creativity and imagination. That's for sure. Yes. If we didn't know anything about that before, we've certainly certainly learned a whole lot this time. Yes, absolutely. Well, thanks very much, Diane. Really appreciate this. Lynn, along with her husband, John, and his dog, Casey, are next-door neighbors of mine, so I thought it would be a good idea to have a brief chat with her. And now I'm talking with Lynn, and in the background, you'll hear the jangling and jingling of uh, tags on colors, as well as the odd, um, yes, hog uh, uh, speaking as well. So, hi Lynn, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Good. So, let's start at your beginning. Um... Have you always had um, impaired vision? Yes, I have. Uh-huh. Okay. What was the, the cause of it? Do they know? I have retinitis pigmentosa. Ah, okay. Yes. All right. Um, so when did you decide to get your first dog? I decided to get my first dog in 2003. Uh-huh. And, and you had a, a female black lab, right? Yes, I had a female black lab named Gail was my first one. Uh-huh. And uh, then you got your second one? In, in 2012. Oh, okay. Yeah, and that was, uh, she was also a black lab, wasn't she? She was a black lab golden retriever cross. Oh, okay. But she had to retire recently. Yes, she did. Um, due to she was going, going blind because of uh, cataracts. Oh, yeah. That was too bad. <laughs> but uh, can't, uh, you can't sacrifice safety. No, you can't. So, so um, and then you decided to change schools after Lois, did, didn't you? Yes, I did. I decided to change from pilot dogs to leader uh, dogs for the blind in uh, Rochester Hills, Michigan. Okay. Your husband is uh, currently uh, the district chair for Lions? Yes, he is. For leader. For leader dog. Yeah. Yeah. So now you have uh, two leader dog boys recently. Yes, Yes, we do. How long were you waiting in between dogs? I've been waiting a year for... The dog that I have now, Leo. 
And uh, just after you applied, um, COVID uh, interfered. Yes, it did. How often did you experience ups and downs about, yes, you're going to get a dog, no, you can't, you have to wait, oh, yes, you can, that sort of thing? Um, I think it was probably about, like, four or five times over the last year that we've been, that I've been waiting. Wow. Yeah. So how did it all turn out in the end? It turned out that um, thanks to a friend who is our president for Guide Dog Users of Canada has a guide dog from CNIB Guide Dogs. She approached them on my behalf to say if they'd be able to work with me and leader dogs to get the dog up here to me. How did they go about doing that? Do you know? I'm not really sure. Okay. Um, I think we'll be able to get that information from my interview with uh, Diane Bergeron uh, from CNIB Guide Dogs. Yes. So now, how long have you had uh, Leo? I've had Leo since last Tuesday. Okay, let me see. Uh, today is the 30th of March, so yes. that would have been... The 23rd, uh, 20, yeah, 23rd, 23rd of March. Of March. Yeah. And uh, you're getting home training? Yes, I'm getting home training from CNIB Guide Dogs. Uh-huh. Will you consider this a, a CNIB Guide Dog or a, a leader dog? It's a leader dog. Okay. And once the uh, training is over, you'll be calling leader dogs uh, if, if you need to talk uh, about anything to do with Leo, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. How uh, have you enjoyed the home training? I really enjoyed it. Good. Have you have you managed to get everywhere you'll, you'll need to go with Leo? Yes, we have. We've been doing buses. We've been doing... We've been walking. This morning we did uh, traffic checks to make sure that he was going to be okay with his uh, disobedience with the traffic. Yeah. So we've been doing a fair amount of stuff. So you've been outside for a lot of it then, eh? Yes, we have been. Mm -hmm. Have you had to wear uh, masks and that sort of thing? Yes, we have. Does anyone seem to mind, you know, uh, as far as stores go, that you've gone in and out of? No, they seem to be totally fine. And your training finishes? My training finishes uh, Friday. And you, you feel confident with your pooch? Yes, I feel very confident with them. Oh, good. Great. Well, thank you. Unfortunately, we weren't able to reach somebody from leader dogs prior to our deadline. International Assistance Dog Week is in August, and I hope to have an equally heartwarming story for you then. All right, well, that is the end of uh, our uh, first edition of Insight Peterborough for the summer season. I'd like to thank you so much for listening, and I do hope that you'll be with me again. Until then, have yourself a good week. Bye for now.